Hello and welcome to Bad Songwriter Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holmquist. We're here today with Sean Yeaton. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Anna? Doing great. Or, you yes. know, as great as one can be doing in almost February in yeah. a pandemic. Then one nice thing is there's a huge snowstorm here in Chicago. And usually, like, I really hate snowstorms and they are the bane of my existence. But I don't have to go anywhere. Like, the thing I hate about snowstorms is, like, scraping my car off, trudging somewhere, like, driving in the slippery streets. But I don't, I, there's nowhere for me to be. So it's actually, like, kind of nice. I can, ha- yeah. I can appreciate the snow when I'm just inside with, like, a cup of coffee. I love that. It's snowing here, too. I feel more connected to you because we're both <laughs> experiencing a snowstorm. It feels like uh, there's like a true sense of closeness in a weird way because very, it's very likely that some of these flakes that I have here are ones that just like didn't quite materialize for you. Or like, I don't know exactly know how weather works, but it's like interesting to maybe think that these clouds, you've already had these clouds, and now I'm just getting them, too, depending on the direction. That's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, that makes sense. Let's just pretend that we know for sure that that's how it works. Yeah, that seems like scientific to me. But we aren't here to talk about the weather. Um, we are here to talk about music and bad songs. Yes. And I'm very excited to listen to the tracks that you have sent. But first, let's chat a little bit about your history. When did you first start writing songs? I can I actually know the first song that I wrote, and I wish I had a recording of it because it's so bad. And it's for, it was for a girl I had a crush on. Mm-hmm. Whose name was Eva, Eva Googian, if you're listening. <laughs> and I wrote a song for her called For Eva, which is sort of like forever. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. And that had to have honestly been in, like, fifth grade. Because I do remember, though my crush on Eva Googian lasted, it was like all of elementary school and middle school, at least. But I started playing guitar in third grade. And then I must have, you know, I'm sure I had, like, some songs or what I thought were songs. But the very Mm -hmm. first one I can remember writing was this For Eva song. And that was probably in fifth grade. I just so badly wish I had a recording. It was so bad. So many of those are just lost to time, though. It's like, even if you had recorded it on something, the odds of a song you wrote in, like, middle school making it to where you are now, I think, are pretty slim. You know, it's funny because I was actually just so certain it was terrible just by whatever standard of songwriting. But it's interesting because I was reading an interview with Brian Eno Mm -hmm. at some point where he was talking. And, you know, he's like... I think as much as he's like, I idolize Brian, you know, I would say that like, he's pretty annoying in the sense that, you know, he's one of these like, I never played music. I was like an art, a visual artist. And then I just like happened upon like music or whatever. Right. And I'm like, sweet. I'm glad to know that like those like absolute like banging hit songs, like from every single one of your albums, including the ambient songs, were just like the like side project of some visual artist. But... <laughs> I think what's funny is that he, like, in the interview was talking about how he was, like, um, initially with music, he started, you know, playing, like, ambient, like, drones and all that. And then, of course, you've got, like, Roxy music and his, like, solo records. Here Come the Warm Jets. Like, there's just, like, not a bad song on that or Taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy. I feel like any of his solo records are just, like, phenomenal. But it's funny 
because he's he talked about how like over time he ultimately came back to writing you know like ambient music and that the wheel of like inventive sort of curiosity or whatever as it pertained to his musical like endeavors just sort of found itself back to the beginning again and i wonder if that means on some basic level if the crappy songs that i first you know wrote as a musician actually would be like impressive to listen to to me now because there has to be some truth to the idea that by knowing nothing which i think i try to maintain a fairly strict rule of like never learning how to actually play music uh-huh because it's like the easiest thing to be lazy about and say you're doing for like a creative per- like it's like seems like somehow weirdly like incredibly lazy and also like very determined at the same time because like I guess like punk rock music is like fundamentally everything sort of behind it aesthetically and, you know, sonically to me just like makes a lot of sense. Like there's something so visceral about finding sounds that match how you're feeling. And I feel like the less I know about music, the better, the better of a chance I have of like writing something that I'm excited about. But as a result, it's like, there's so many bad songs, which is like sort of, <laughs> I think that this is like probably one of the most exciting podcasts. It must be so much fun because I think that I would be interested to know, because I'll, I'll admit to you like right out the gate, finding songs that you, that like I personally am like, this is bad. It's tough because there are parts of me that want to be like, well, is it bad or do I want you to listen? I want to, like, I don't know. There's, like, a part of it that's hard to, it's sort of, like, inflicting pain on yourself or whatever. You're, like, or, like, giving yourself a tattoo. Like, I've given myself, like, a stick and poke tattoo, but I was fucking mm-hmm. wasted. I was so drunk because I couldn't be, like, feeling that pain. The idea of, like, actually doing it is kind of, like, intense to me. And this process was similar in that I was like, all right, I've like come to terms with the fact that these are indeed bad songs. And for all different reasons, and I hope and I'm sure that we'll get into those things. But there is an aspect to which part of me wants some validation for why maybe they're not so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like, I think what I've really appreciated about doing this podcast, I mean, a lot of things, but I think people really are doing a good job of bringing stuff that like some some people bring stuff in they're actually they're like I actually like this part or whatever but some people have really brought in stuff that they find embarrassing and that is embarrassing like people have really brought in like stuff that is difficult to listen to like for a variety of reasons you know whether that's the recording recording quality or the lyrics or you know whatever that's the stuff I want to get into. When I first started this, I was like, are people going to bring stuff? And they're like, oh, this is such a bad song, but it's actually not that bad. And they just sort of want to look good. Or they picked a song that is kind of bad, but like not actually their worst material that they could find to like, you know, come off like they're doing the thing, but feel better. But people have really like gone into it. And I appreciate that because I've always liked this kind of stuff. I like seeing process. Um, I like being able to like reveal that shitty process to, to other people, whether that's to like fans or like people who want to be doing music, but think that they're not good enough to do it. It's like everybody writes the shitty stuff. I write shitty songs all the time. Last week I wrote a shitty song. Like no one's ever going to hear it, but like I wrote it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Sort of like becomes the kind of thing. I mean, I, I'm confident that what I've 
presented for this episode of your podcast is some of my shittiest work. And I have, but it's like, there is a part of me that looks greatly forward to talking about it from a constructive, you know, like something that I've never been a part of, but I kind of wish I were a part of, or like, I, and I have friends who do this and I'm sort of bummed out. I feel like I never really get an invitation to this, but it's like a songwriter, sort of almost like an AA for songwriters or something, or maybe not AA isn't the right way of looking at it, but like, where I, I have an idea for a song and I need feedback from people. I've never written music in that way that is outside of like a band, you know, in a band, like I guess you're kind of doing that. But for the most part, even with Parquet Courts, when we bring songs in that band, it's either the person who brings a song has the song completely finished and is sort of just like, if like for me, like it might be that I get to, you know, I get to make the bass part like my own bass line or whatever. And, you know, everybody kind of gets to do what they want with the material, but it's very close off as to how creative you can get. Like I can't have like Andrew can't come at me with a song and be like, feel free to do whatever. And then I come back at him and I'm like, all right, well, I think that it should be like, instead of bass at all, it should be like a turntableism, like crazy. You know what I think? Like, yeah. Like I, ha- I still have to like have my part exist within the framework of his vision. And then, you know, occasionally there are times, it's been a while since I've been in any other band except for Parquet Court, so it's hard to say, but I think there were there are times where there's like the jamming element where people are like, I find that to be like kind of frustrating, especially as like a bass player, because I'm kind of mm-hmm. like, I don't like to show off, but I also am like, if, if like, for example, if like Parquet Court is jamming, then chances are that means I'm playing the same thing for a right. long time, and the guitar players are like going pig shit bananas you know and that's great for them but like right <laughs> how long do i feel like doing that but you're like really... checking your watch <laughs> yeah i'm just like okay i mean i hope that i've found something that i can like sit with for a while and i mean it's not to say that that doesn't make for good songs in the long run but it's usually sometimes it seems like hours of jamming or whatever might get you like a section of a song which is fine but yeah, right. but this is a whole other thing. I mean, except I think one of the songs I gave you is like a straight up, no way in hell is this going to be a Parquet Court song song, mm-hmm. and which is always exciting as a band member to have people. I mean, we all do it to each other, but there's going to be those songs where you're just like, no, this is never going to be yeah. on our discography. <laughs> well, it's like in Billy Madison when it's like, I would you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> and then like the other two are like, I don't know. Well, we can get into it. However you want to do it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's Let's start with the first one. Which one do you want to? Which one do you want to do first? Let's do the one that was gonna be a Parquet Court song, but never was. Which I believe is called District Poem. Yes. Does that look right? What a fucking terrible song! I can't wait (laughs) to talk about it. I hate this song. It makes me cringe. (laughs) So I kind of want to get it over with because great, we can do that. Faster than your mouth is Am I more 
when did you write this one? This is like, okay. Oh, gosh. Uh, 2015, maybe. Mm-hmm. It was definitely during the sessions that would have become, oddly enough, think about this. This song I feel so shitty about. It was left off a record, the sessions of which we recorded ultimately for a completely instrumental, like, improvised noise album. <laughs> this song couldn't even make the cut for that. <laughs> this shit... Dude, you know, this one is fucked because I... This is a classic, too big for your britches song. I thought I was like Frank Zappa or something. And I was like, I can do... I can write a Frank Zappa song. What the hell? It's like a song that would be impossible to play live. Let me... It's almost over, thank God. Hold on. <laughs> Let me just let it end and then... Okay. Oh, God almighty. We got through it. Thank God. Okay, so I'll tell you why this song is horrible in every possible way. This is a problem. This is an issue that I run into a lot, which is, like I was sort of saying, too big for your britches song that comes out and ultimately to me sounding like could be like a fucking Goldfinger song or something, which is fine. Good for Goldfinger. (laughs) But every... Okay, so there's a lot going on. We're in Western Mass recording this. And it was at Sone Lab Studios, which is like a great studio in Northampton with this dude, Justin Pizzoferrato, who would ultimately record our record, Human Performance. Yeah, so this one is ridiculous because... So we're in a studio that is frequently used by Kim Gordon, Jay Maskus, all these like heads that I just like idolize, that we all mm-hmm. idolize. In fact, one of the bases... If not, I think the bass that I used during this recording session, it was definitely Kim Gordon's bass, but it was given to her by, it was like the bass player from the Minutemen or something. It was something crazy. Like the bass had had this like outrageous history that ultimate, and then it wound up in my hands, you know. But what's funny about it is that this song, taking in all that into consideration too, yeah, every guitar is tuned where every string is tuned to E. So it's like, <laughs> it's just so stupid. Like, like every single string was an E. And wow. everything was a bar chord. So that's why I think it sounds, it almost sounds like, because of that, it, I feel like it almost sounds like a Dropkick Murphys song or something. Like it, yeah. Like, there's like a natural sound, sa- like a sound of like bagpipes. And you're just like, <laughs> but why? Where are these bagpipes? Horrible. Trash. And I tried to include, I remember at the time thinking, I was definitely really obsessed with that Frank Zappa record, We're Only In It For The Money. And there Mm -hmm. were always these moments that Frank Zappa seemed to effortlessly be able to do. Wow. I don't know if you're, this is a really quick ADHD break for you, but do you ever see the movie Hook before? Yes. I I just did like a moment from the movie Hook where I struggled to say the word effortlessly. <laughs> Which also happens in Hook during a snowstorm at Granny Wendy's orphanage where she receives the award. Anyway. 
But okay, so yeah, there's a break. There's like a break in the middle of that song that's like would be literally impossible to do live because it involved like speeding up tape or something. I don't even know. I mean, what are you? Right. What ask me anything? I'm happy to review anything. <laughs> no, I mean it's just like wild to think about the idea of. I mean, like, right, how would you play that live? You have your, all your guitars tuned with every string to E. Like, how, give us give us a minute while we, while we yes, tune for the song. You know, th- I think the good thing about that song is that it's short. So. Oh, thank God. Because yeah. <laughs> you seemed yeah. like you were in some physical pain there. So I'm uh, glad we could one, get through it quick. <laughs> that one was hard to listen to, for sure. And, you know, I think it's a great example. I think the Too Big for Your Britches song is one that is like... It's pretty much the opposite of the uh, the next one I would love to do, which is When I See Your Smile, which I think is a song that is bad because of how, I mean, I feel like that song could have been good if I took it even a little more seriously. And this, mm-hmm. I think, is a issue I have as like a human, as a musician, is finding like a middle ground between like confidence and, I mean, I don't know, maybe confidence is the scale and I have a difficult time. Like, I never want to come off as an arrogant person. But right. there's like this, I think, an unspoken rule for anybody who creates anything that you have to be at least maybe just a little more confident in the value of something than it deserves in order to have like other <laughs> people value it as much as it ought to be. And yeah. I think that last song was like me being like, all right, like I'm the brilliant one. I have all the brilliant. <laughs> like I have, like, like I thought for sure this was gonna be like a hit or something, and it's exactly the like flying too close to the sun, wax wings, motherfucking bullshit. Right. It made that song like the death rattle of a fucking yeah dropkick Murphy's B side or something. Yeah, I think that that it's a journey. I think to figure out like the balance of like your ego right because like to be a performer to be somebody who gets on stage to be somebody who writes music and is like people should hear this music you do have to have like some level of confidence but then if you have too much of that you are an asshole like you become an asshole you become the kind of person that like i really don't want to be and so like that's something that i've been really cognizant of of especially i think the like the last few years of like how can i like balance that how can i like not like be self-deprecating and disparaging of myself and like have a lot of anxiety about anxiety about what I'm doing but how can I also not be like a total jerk (laughs) I wonder you know I think it's kind of like look if I'm going to be completely honest with you I'd say that like if I could if I could be any musician honest to god I would like want to be Elliot Smith Mm -hmm. and who doesn't say shit like that I guess but there's no song there's not a single Elliot Smith song that's bad I like every single one of them I love them all because I can sense his like fragile vulnerability I can it's like the it's just as visceral an experience I have as if somehow they had like etched his scent into the records or something like there's something about it where you're just like wow that's like the most human human or something yeah and i tell you what i've tried to do shit that i know for a fact elliot smith did to get the recordings that he had and it's just not the same because it's just like it's not him but he to me i mean i never knew the guy or anything but just like the impression of what like an elliot smith is to me is kind of like ideal in a way because it's like 
I mean, I don't know. Obviously, he had a very peculiar and like terrible demise. But yes, leading up to that, to imagine being like given praise for something that you're like you yourself are somehow like unaware of. There's something like that's like the most like muted ego somehow where you're just like, I don't know. I just actually just did an interview about music in like music for film in the same question I was talking I was talking about Elliot Smith uh, in Goodwill Hunting, Elliot Smith music in Goodwill Hunting Mm -hmm. and Celine Dion in Titanic. And so like at the Oscars, the, the year that both those films were like nominated for oscars or whatever elliot smith and celine dion both performed at those oscars oh and I wow think, yes so there's like a <laughs> yes so you can watch in one there was a time where on one episode of television or whatever of the oscars you were seeing elliot smith perform like angelus in like a fucking terrified like vulnerable state on the exact same stage that Celine Dion p- performed My Heart Will Go On. That, I think, in and of itself, just like that that image right, creates a spectrum to me that I somehow, somewhere would love to be able to like live on. I guess. I don't know. But yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is crazy. That's super <laughs> wild. That's funny. I just rewatched Royal Tenenbaums, speaking of oh, Elliot yes. Smith songs yes, and in yes. movies. Yeah, that still that still always gets me. That's so good. Needle in the Hay is that one, right? Yeah, yeah. What a song! Yeah. What a it's song! Unreal. <laughs> like, unreal. <laughs> I can hear it right now as you say it. And you know what it is? Like I always thought that the Elliot Smith trick. I know. I just were saying. I was just saying this because like. A lot of the Elliot Smith stories, I feel like I've either heard secondhand or, I mean, you know, like read in tape-op or something. Like, I remember right. there was a tape-op about, a tape-op issue that, like, featured an article about either or, and that's, like, my favorite Elliot Smith record. And I mm-hmm. remember the guy who runs Tape-op magazine, though, is, he also recorded either or, which is, like, news to oh, me wow. at the time. Yeah, so crazy. And it's like, I think he recorded it, engineered it, something. We could fact check it all day, whatever. <laughs> but he, I guess when he was recording it, he they did it in a house. And every room in the house, like there was like a living room, dining room, whatever, guest bedroom, blah, blah, was like a different like world for, for an instrument. So like the bass was all recorded in like one room. But it was like in a house. So it wasn't like in a studio where it's just like an isolation and I think that, like, whenever I heard that, I was just like, that just is another whole fucking thing that breathes, like, all this, all the more, like, life and density into Elliot Smith for me. It's, like, the idea of just, like, it all being, like, this house coming to life or whatever that Elliot Smith is just in, like, doing, like, double vocals on. I used to think that was the trick. I think I used to think, and in that district poem shit, you can definitely hear that happening where I'm just like, just like double up the vocals. That's like what Elliot Smith did. Like, you have to be <laughs> Elliot Smith to do it. It was like I tried to. Tr- I was just like, we'll do a little Elliot Smith for the vocal treatment. We'll do some Frank Zappa for the actual. Like, <laughs> it was bullshit. But anyway, let's let's get into the next one. Oh God, yes. When I see your smile. Oh my god. So stupid. 
music embarrassing. <laughs> this is like a great example of garage band on like it's like I put like a game genie on garage band. <laughs> this one's crazy because I've tried to get people to love this song for a really long time yeah When did you write yeah. that one? Oh, man. I want to say like 2013. That mm-hmm. sounds about right. There's a lot of garage band going on in that. You know, yeah. that, I don't know. It just, you can tell kind of. It's sort of like, just like, there's nothing, there's something about it. I will admit this, that definitely as opposed to the District Poem one, that song makes me feel this kind of, a certain feeling, which is, Kind of just like disappointment. Like that song will never, nothing will ever happen to it. But there's something mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I can just hear the garage band. It was like literally, yeah. You know how, how much garage band do you play with? Do you play with garage band at all? Yeah. Yeah. I can, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Like you can just sort of tell. It's a very dangerous tool for people who are like me and do have fairly low confidence as a songwriter but it's like also like literally like the thing I do you know Mm -hmm. like I have so I have I feel weird about it like there's basically like that song there are three things happening and they're all really easy to do and program on GarageBand and they provide you with a kind of immediate satisfaction or gratification or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where it feels like you wrote a song, but you didn't really write a song. You like pressed play on like a sampled, like that bass line. It sounds really much, it sounds a lot like an upright bass. But like I know and you know that it was like there's a setting in GarageBand where you can get it to play like a, I don't know. It's just like so obviously a garage band demo and it feels like it feels cheap and the only thing that's happening that is not a direct garage band like loop is the vocal part which is fun there's but it's also a garage band trick where it's like you can record yeah like your vocal and then assign it to the keyboard so it's right. like yeah you can, I can't, there's like a name for it i feel like I'm sure I'm sure there is <laughs> but you know what I'm saying so like I, yeah I know I know what you mean yeah it, but basically I'm just sort of trying to like justify its trash but it's <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought that I could trick people I probably part of me thought I could trick you 
but here we are. Well, you know you tried, but like this is going to be what, like my 48th episode of this podcast. I cannot be tricked. (laughs) I've been through this. (laughs) I don't know. I definitely have those kind of things too, where I I put something together. I'm like, there's not really like, there's not anything going on in this. Like I looped something or whatever. And it's not, it's sort of nothing. Right. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. Exactly. There's an emptiness to it. I just, in fact, like I just bought, yeah, it's like a, like the shell of a pretzel. I just got these snacks. It's like an actual pretzel shell. Mm-hmm. Just the shell of the pretzel. But it's like empty on the inside, you know? And even and Something like that. There's something just hollow. There's no soul to it. We have one left, though, right? What is this? We do. That, this one is an odd one. And another, I mean, it's like a mashup. You're familiar with. Oh, I've <laughs> I've done some mashups and medleys in my days. Don't don't you worry. I understand yeah, so completely. It's an art form in and of itself. Yeah. And it's one that like I'll admit this is a perfectly this is a perfect example of a failed attempt at it. Even though I don't know, it's like a gingerbread house or something. There's like a a gingerbread house kit, right? Where it's like you get everything you need for it to look exactly the way it should on the box. There's really no reason why it can't look that way other than like your own capacity to build it. Mm-hmm. Everything is there for you. That's the way this is for me. It's like, you know, I remember I was going on a walk with my dog and there was a point in our walk where I was just convinced that You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette would work perfectly over Freak on a Leash by Corn. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like a mangled attempt at proving that. I guess let's just go for it, right? would go well together. <laughs> it was a pretty weird... Dude, you know, I'll say this. There's definitely some moments... Well, Yeah. Remind me 
I mean, that kind of works. Yeah, there there are definitely pieces of this that like kind of like I can hear it. You know, I can yes. hear it. <laughs> and I mean, she even has this. I mean, I think what it is is that yeah, in the corn version of this, she's always like, mm, bah, bah, oh, <laughs> but like. She had this shit in her, and you want to know, like, in a way. Yes. There's something freaky about how well they, like, the structurally, they're, like, almost the same size. <laughs> so good. I mean, like, I had to do a lot of, like, pushing shit around, but it's all there, though, I feel like. Yeah. Mashups a lot. Is this a thing that you have ideas for often? All the time. Now yeah. more than so. I think that here's the thing with the mashup crap. I understand that there are people who are just like fundamentally like amazing at this sort of thing, and that's and I think that's great. I I think that for all that is like embarrassing and pretty like hard to swallow about that. No pun intended. Even though that was kind of a jagged little pill. <laughs> what has like stayed with me since doing that is actually that there is a lot of value in being able to hear similarities in like otherwise completely like di- different songs as a way of like inspiring your own song like i think it's weird truly pretty weird that those two songs can work as well yes. together as they do and I'm shocked. I honestly, I remember thinking that I was like, I'm, this is it. This is it for me. Like, I'm going to, this is when I become rich is because I'm like, <laughs> I've separated these atoms. And like, you know, it wasn't like, there's very little work that went into that mashup mm-hmm. wise. And I appreciate and understand that there's like a, there's like a way to actually do it. You know, I, I don't know how to do it, but I know that yeah. there are people who are good at it. Yeah, there's actually a lot of that happening right now on TikTok, which I really appreciate. I'm like on the side of TikTok where I'm seeing a lot of like mashup videos where they're like, wait, these songs are like in the same key. And then they like will put them together. And it's like it's really it's really enjoyable. That's the side of TikTok that I really like because I had I'm, I've never been good at doing the mashup thing either, like with actually like editing it together. But like i hear a lot of songs all the time that I'm like this song sounds like this song so I, I've done like medleys and stuff like that like yes. I did my claim to fame medley years ago like that I probably did in like I don't know 2012 or some 
2011 maybe was a medley mashup thing that I just sang on guitar of Call Me Maybe and Call Me by Blondie and 8675309. So like all these call songs that was so fun to do. But like I hear that kind of stuff all the time and I'm like, these all go together. Or I'm like, all these Katy Perry songs, you can sing them all together. You can sing like seven to 10 Katy Perry songs all in like one big mega song, you know? Yes. I love that. You know, it's funny that you should say that because a song of mine that I've written recently that I love, that I actually am really proud of and look greatly look forward to having come out in some capacity. Cause like through this like pandemic thing, I've definitely collaborated with other, a lot of people that I wouldn't get to normally because it's like, yeah, a friend in like DC or a friend in LA right. or something. We just like email and stuff. And I had this song that I made using an app. So I put this app called Keezy. Have you ever used Keezy before? No. What is it? Oh, awesome app. So it's like basically a sampler and mm-hmm. you can record like, I mean, I just can, you can do anything with it. It's kind of like almost like a talk boy or talk girl or something. And so like, yeah, you can record like whatever. And then it's just like, or like whatever. You know what I mean? And so I I had this whole thing happen to me recently where I wanted to do a song that was was based on samples from all songs that had the word rain in them. So it was like I got like November rain, only happy when it rains, I can't stand (laughs) the rain, purple rain, really, I mean, I like am so into this song. I'll send it to you. I'll, like, I'll email it to you. After. Please do. But Please do. Like, I want to hear. It's all just, and it's like from the moments in the songs where they say rain and shit. Like yeah. I was just like, there's something to it. Like, but what you were saying really reminds me of that where it's like, oh yeah, like, there's something that call me, I call me maybe thing is just like, that's, I mean, that's brilliant. I think that like listening to music like that is really Cool. In fact, I don't know. If, have you ever heard the? There's a mashup of, of head like a hole and call me maybe. I think. No, I haven't heard that one. Oh my god, it's amazing. It just like works, and it's like yeah. And I think that like something like I I just really love the ability to. There's no pressure in doing something like this. It's not like I literally could like monetize it. And I think right, that like exactly as a musician, as much as I am like grateful play in a band for a living and I'm grateful that that's what I do I also am like there's something that is so off limits about sampling you know you can't really make money off it almost makes it more fun because you know that you're not going to be like trying to like release something that would just get you like immediately sued but like when you think about like uh like Paul's Boutique or something like that whole record Mm -hmm. is basically made with samples of shit that, like, today you would have to be, like, the richest billionaire on earth to license all of that shit. And because of how restrictive it is to do that, it makes it more fun, I think, to, like, go into songs and, like, fuck with them. Or, like, when you hear those little moments of, like, things that you're like, oh, you know what, like, one for me recently was a version of Get Up Stand Up by The Checkers that I had heard at like a rave in Greenpoint or something that was like these like loft DJs were playing. And I was like, Oh my God, it's like, mm-hmm. so good. It, cause it, the only thing that's different about it is it goes like, it goes like, get up, stand up, get up, get up. It's like, just like some, <laughs> it's like, that's all their version does differently, but it's so good. And I managed to find a way in my head at least to like make it work with the, 
score music for Top Gun. So it's oh like, my gosh, <laughs> uh, I'll send you, I'll send you all of this shit. Please later, do. But like, it's just like I listening to the way DJs are able to manipulate and fuck with that sort of thing. It's just like that to me is like a, such an art form in and of itself, and kind of just like my preferred way of like listening to music now. Like I'd rather listen to like Francois K's like mixed cloud and hear how he blends like some acoustic guitar version of like a Beatles song with like some dub reggae song or something. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. like prefer hearing music like that. Like the way I prefer uh, experiencing music almost like in a, like Doppler effect style where I'm like, like I'll be at like Wawa and I'll hear that Taylor Swift song blank spaces. And every time I hear it, I also hear that shaggy song. So it'll be like, yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like there's like a part in blank spaces where it could go like, I've got a list of a long list of ex lovers banging on the bathroom floor. Or something. <laughs> yeah. There's like a point where they like those two songs orbit completely collide and then go away from each other and it's like just what like i don't know i just think that if you could like legally experience music like that i mean that you i don't know not that i think the law has anything to do with this but you know what i'm saying like that to me is like almost more exciting than like hearing a brand new song yeah i love that shit i eat that shit up i can't i I can't wait to hear some of the stuff you got (laughs) yes i will i will how would you say that your songwriting process has changed over the years, if at all? In a couple of ways. First, I've only, I never played bass until Parquet Courts, so I never really, mm-hmm. I, and I've only, so Parquet Courts has been a band for 10 years, but I play guitar in bands and been playing as like a touring music, musician since I was like 17. So like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how old I am. I'm like 34 now. But... <laughs> Music has always been like a massively important thing to me, but I think that like over the years, I've started to just I've I guess I've come to realize that there's my initial approach to songwriting would always be like here's like an empty an empty canvas or whatever, and here are like the tools that are that you need. Like if you googled like write a song, and I'd be like, all right, so I've got what I need. Like I have like my guitar, and I have like a notebook with like a pencil or whatever, and, like, that bare, or maybe, like, a little, like, recorder, whatever. But now I feel like my approach to songwriting has become much more reliant upon and inspired by just, like, sounds and nature and shit. Like, mm-hmm. I find myself, like, uh, you know, our bathroom at at our house, it's, like, the, the vent or whatever is, like, a little loose, and if you like mm-hmm. have it on at the, it almost sounds like a, like a Greg Fox or like some fucking like some <laughs> maniac drummer that's like, and I'm like in there taking a shower and I'm like, all right, oh fucking holy shit, I like just want to like play music to that as like my like percussion, you know, because it's like, I don't know, to me like that kind of thing has become way. Like having this sort of conveyor belt of shit that's operating around me instead of where I might used to look at songwriting as a play, as a thing where I'd close the world off and go to like songwriting mode. It had to happen in silence. Now I feel like it's more like a big, almost like a, you know, like a public pool or something where it's like, yeah, I want as much shit happening 
at the same time as possible. And so like sometimes that, and that's why this like Keezy app I find so exciting. Like there, there are like loops and like little phrases or whatever all the time happening in everything. Like I have so many, you know, I have two little kids. I have so many little moments on my phone of them like laughing or fucking screaming that I've turned into uh-huh. that have like been looped in just the right way where I'm like, all right, well, like that to me could be like a saxophone solo or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost like the idea of the, the, the whole world is being kind of like a template for like grabbing samples from. And it, that, I, that feels more like how I write songs. now. like, I very rarely sit down and pick up an instrument. I'm mostly listening to shit around me. And then like, you know, in the same way that, like, you can imagine like, thinking about the first song you, like, wish you wrote or something. Where it'll yeah. be like, oh, man, like, I, like even that Elliot Smith song, like, or any Elliot Smith song, it's like, oh, like, so when he was writing, you know, Needle in the Hay, and they had that, like, droney kind of, like, get, like, fr- like fragile guitar part playing or whatever, or, or like Nine Inch Nails. I feel like I'm always like obsessing over these kind of like variations of like robotic and like like actual like living blood things, you know, where it's like everything is like Westworld. I basically approach songwriting like it's Westworld now. <laughs> make something robotic. So like make something that's robotic seem like human enough that I even could be like fooled by it, I think is the idea. I love that. That's great. Hell Yes. Um, what's some stuff you've been listening to lately that you like? I've been listening. You know what I've been listening to a lot actually is this KLF record. Do you know the KLF? No. Okay. So check this shit out. They have like a million records. This one is called chill out and it's really something else. It's like, it's like a wax, wax tracks records. I don't know a ton about this band, honestly. And the way that I found out about them was through like an obsession with like sleeping bag records, like uh, Arthur Russell. I was definitely was listening to have been listening to a lot of Arthur Russell and this KLF record. A lot of the very like the first ministry record, weirdly, but it's always a little different. I don't know. It it sort of depends because then other times. I'm also we I have two little kids so we're I also have like a lot of like Disney music on or like right. I don't know they just got this awesome thing though for a birthday or Christmas I forget but it was like it's called a Yoto radio I'm just like plugging ads throughout this thing but it's basically all <laughs> it's like a pretty like low tech but amazing like radio basically uh-huh and they carry it around and stuff and it has cards that you can put in to make so you could make your own music and play it or you can it has cards that have like stories and songs and stuff but it also just has like a few radio stations they tune to and sometimes it'll be like kids bop like i found myself like loving the kids bop version of certain songs <laughs> because it's great. just like or i don't know i guess yeah i don't really have a great answer for any of that what do you listen to though right now if you don't mind me asking oh Maybe, yeah i'll, I'll, I'll tell you treat i'll cheat off of your test <laughs> i found a couple of songs by this band bluish um they Blue-ish. only have like two two songs on spotify um but i'm really liking that it's sort of like poppy fun stuff um i've been listening to 
the song Below the Clavicle by Earth Eater that I mm. think is really interesting. There's the song Jubilation. I mean, this whole album, actually, but Jubilation by Norma Tanaga, I think is how you pronounce it. And she like released one album maybe in like the 60s and that was like sort of it but the song jubilation is just like very sweet i don't know just like a really lovely like guitar song um that i feel like is like very nice for the weather i guess Um, send it to me i have to hear yeah i'll send it and then obviously i've been listening the past 24 hours to a lot of sophie after hearing about her passing which is like very super sad but i've gone back to her 2017 album because i really loved that so those are the big things i've been listening to oh also like you know i hear songs on tiktok and then i get into them so like um there's the song best best friend by sweetie that i've been (sighs) dancing around the apartment to a lot so that's so good hey well thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you so much for having me i know this is a blast Great. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. I've linked to Parquet Court's music in the episode description. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at Bad Songwriter and on Twitter at Bad underscore Songwriter. If you are a musician who's interested in being on the show, you can email me at badsongwriterpod at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you could rate, review, subscribe, follow, share it with a friend, share it on social media. All these things really help us out. Hope you are staying safe and warm out there. Bye.